them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you a ruler and judge over us? He asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. Amen. Amen. Oh, 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 oh,
and your mercy. Let us have another word of prayer. Mighty God, we just thank you for great is your faithfulness. Great is your mercy. Your love never fails. So Father, bless us right now to receive a word from you. Lord, we pray that we might see Jesus and have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you. Father, move, Lord, in this place. Have that own way, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Thank you for you joining us out there on Facebook and YouTube and Zion's website. As we continue on our theme dealing about coming out of our conditions and our issues, we're going to talk about today, you are not forgotten, live. I want to encourage you, as we had our morning reading the text in Acts, uh, Stephen is preaching this message. 
And in this message that he's preaching, he's proclaiming to them how they rejected Jesus of Nazareth. And that Jesus, who they rejected as they rejected the prophets in the past, as he's talking about Moses, is truly the great Savior, Redeemer, and Messiah. And so as we look at this text, we're going to unpack how he talks about Moses and how Moses was rejected, how Moses now seems to be forgotten, and he goes into Midian, uh, leaving everything that he had come to know in this place. And so I want to encourage you that even when life is hard, you're going through some hardships, you're going through some times of trials and tribulations. I want you to not give up, but live. Tell your neighbor, live. Live knowing that your God has not given up on you. Live knowing that he that is with you is greater than anything that's against you. Live knowing that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Live knowing that his love never fails. Live knowing that just as you know, you may be living disobedient. You may live rebelliously. You may be living as if you do not know him. Live knowing that he knows you, he loves you, and he'll never, ever forget you. Live knowing that he holds everything together. Live knowing that you may not know how to work it out, but God sure enough can fix it. Live knowing that you can mess up and know that God sure enough can clean you up. Live knowing that he is faithful and you may have little faith or no faith at all. Live knowing that you can let go but God will never let go. Live knowing that all God is able to do exceedingly above beyond what you can ask, think, or even imagine. I tell you, tell your neighbor one more time, live. So we're going to look at this text and see how Moses still was living even though he lost everything that he knew. I want to encourage you that we might go through some hard times, but yet still live, because our God is still in control. So our theme text, we looked at in Acts 7, chapter, verses 25 to 29. And, and so here it is. Now we're going to unpack this text historically, looking back to this account found in Exodus, second chapter, verses 15 to 22. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation to add on to where Pastor Price blessed us in the great narrative by Stephen in the sermon in Acts 7, chapter verses 25 to 29, picking up in Exodus, the Old Testament, second chapter, verses 15 and 22 says, And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled with Pharaoh, from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water and feel the water thralls for their father's flocks. But some of the shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds. Then he drew water from their flocks. When the girls returned to Reuel, their father, he asked, why are you back so soon today? An Egyptian, notice that, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered. And then he drew water for us and watered our flocks. Then where is he? Their father asked, why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. Moses accepted the invitation and he settled there with them. In time, Reuel gave Moses his daughter Zipporah to be his wife. Later, she gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gerson. For he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. Praise God for his word. I want to reiterate verse 22 
It says, later she gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom. For he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. Let me also highlight that they said in verse 19, an Egyptian. Can somebody say an Egyptian? Rescued us from the shepherd. Let me also highlight to you from Acts that the seventh chapter, verses uh, 29 says, when Moses heard that he fled the country, when Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. There his two sons were born. Well, I want to highlight here that we learned the first son's name right in Exodus. His name is Gershom. Now, also, when he points out, he named him based on his condition. Remember how Moses' name was based on his condition? We'll name him Moses to be, and in Hebrew means to be drawn out. He was drawn out of the water when Pharaoh's daughter found him. And now he's a foreigner in a foreign land. He's playing on the words that I'm a foreigner here. And so basically those words in Hebrew comes together and sounds like Gershom. And so here he is that he says, I will name him based on my condition. I'm a foreigner here. Also, when I highlight here, notice that they recognize him as an Egyptian, meaning that his out exterior, outer exterior looks and dressed like an Egyptian. It's funny to me. He's running for his life, but he did not disguise himself. <laughs> we know how we watch those movies, right, when somebody's running for their life. They said, let me first thing I got to do is change my last description. See, that's modern media, right? There's no cameras. <laughs> so he's able to get away and tell everybody, I'm not who they say I am. He's able to get away. But also, I want to highlight here that he did not just do a day's journey. He ran far, y'all, southeast away from Egypt to get into the land of Midian. He ran, check this out, he ran past everything that Egyptian had ruled over just to get out of the Persephone. People still recognize that he is an Egyptian. I want to highlight here that he left everything that he knew. He left his mother, his brother, his sister. He left the palace. He left the place of privilege and prestige, all because he assumed Israel was ready for him to be the leader. That's why Stephen is using Moses as an example. So y'all rejected him. <laughs> so when he first came in, y'all rejected him. He's not the ruler. Now you rejected him when he came back. When Pharaoh says, I, I will let you go. Y'all say, we're not ready for you, Moses. Leave us alone. You made it harder for us because look how you make us have to make brick with no straw. And then when they were in the wilderness, they were mad at Moses. Yet yeah, they still rejected Moses. But here I'm getting ahead of myself. Look how Moses was not ready, but God was using everything that Moses is going through as life experiences to train and build up his resume to be so he can be the leader that God needs him to be. I said the leader that God needs him to be. Moses wanted to be the leader, but God needed him to be a better leader. Notice clearly in the text, he assumed everybody was ready to follow him. Hey, my brothers, he came back out. Hey, my brothers, why y'all fighting? Soon we be working together. Who made you prince or judge over us? And then the one who was in the wrong, the text is clear. The one who was in the wrong says, oh, you going to kill me too? Like he did that Egyptian, now he gets shook. Uh-oh. They not with me. <laughs> I, I need to look and, and find out where I'm safe. And it, he says, I'm not safe. Pharaoh want to kill me too. I got to get out of here. And so he leaves and goes into meeting. But notice again, he's in the wilderness. And so nowhere he, he is found at the well. And so I think about this, that we, when we're traveling on our cars, right, 
and, and you look for signs for rest stops and gas stations, right? You look for places where can I not only fill me up, but fill my car. I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> I'm looking, where can I? So now he's in the place that, man, I need a place that I need refreshing. I need to rest. I need to fill. And what best can take care of me in the wilderness and to be to suffer from this dehydration is to hydrate myself by the well. So they find him by the well. And this is something very special about this. That at the time he's there, the time these women show up. He could have been in some other time, but he was the time that these women show up. And now here's it. Here's you learn about something about Moses' character. Moses believes in justice. He believes in things to be fair and just and right. Hence, when he saw one being wrong, he, uh, he defended the one who was wrong. Same thing with Moses' brother. He didn't care. He didn't whether you were Hebrew or Egyptian. You wrong. You need to be correct and to be right. Now he sees women now being abused and misused. He says he stepped in, right? And he watered the flock and noticed what he wanted. Nothing in return. He stayed there. They left him. He just wanted to give out justice. See the maturity in there now? Now he's no longer trying to say, you ought to listen to me and follow me, but yet I will just do my part and do what is right. Tell your neighbor, you need to do just your part. And so here it is. Just living means that I'm just going to do what I am responsible to do, not go beyond what I'm not responsible for. Sometimes we go above and beyond and we do things and then we mess things up. And we want somebody else to fix our problem all because we stepped outside of our responsibility. We stepped outside of our authority. We stepped outside of our experience. Hence why God is giving Moses lived experience that's not going to be on his resume. You know, when somebody applies for a job, right, they put down their past experiences, but we don't put down all our experiences down there. Am I talking to somebody? When, when, they, when they ask you, how do you deal with conflict? You don't put down how you dealt with conflict, but you point out like, oh, if I had a conflict, am I talking to somebody? <laughs> if I had a conflict and you know those conflicts you're talking about from that last job you're trying to get about, am I talking to somebody here? And you're letting them know I got experience how to handle conflict. And so here it is. God has given Moses experience that he did not get in Egypt. It said he was trained in all of Egyptian ways. But one thing that God needed from Moses was a shepherd. And now he's going to learn how to be a shepherd in the wilderness. Another thing, though, Moses has not learned how to care for anybody else. Notice God blesses him not with one son, but two sons. And now this is something I, I want to highlight here. Notice that his father-in-law only had daughters. Only had daughters. So here's, I'm going to point out something to you. It is a privilege and a blessing when God blesses Israelites with male children. Moses' firstborn is a male child. His secondborn is a male child. He gives his father-in-law grandsons that can inherit, and that can inherit, that can inherit. Am I talking to somebody? So God blesses him. And provides for him in the wilderness. Remember, God is in control. When life is dark and life is hard, we're going through times of hurt and pain. We feel like we may be alone. Notice that you are never alone. Notice how God can send people into your life, but yet will you do what God's called you to do? Moses would not have met them if he did not choose to step up for what was right. If he just sat back and watched them be abused, he wouldn't have found him a wife. He wouldn't have had two sons. But because he stepped up, because he was not quiet, because he did not want to be complicit, he decided I will stand up and stand by myself. If nobody else is with me, I'm going to stand up for what is right. 
Do you understand how in life there's going to be times that we are serving our God and others may not be with us, but we choose to stand up and do what is right? Some might not come with you, but you will know with God for me who can be against you. So you may not have people physically around you, but we serve a God that is spirit and he is everywhere. And so we must understand that even while I'm going through this adversity, God is preparing Moses as he's preparing us to take care of what he has for us in the future. I may not know what's in the future, but I know God who holds the future. So let us trust in him. Let us live and be obedient to the responsibilities that he has given us. Therefore, we must prepare now to be great in the future. Y'all catch that? I, I got to prepare now to be great in the future. And so as Moses is taken care of now, he is building up his experience for the future. The Lord knows where he's leading us, even when we don't know where we're going. Notice how Moses left Egypt and he ended up in Midian. It's interesting that why would he go there just to be just as we know later on, he finds God on a burning bush in a mountain. God somehow led him to run in this location so that God can give him this experience to bring him back into Egypt. But before we get there, notice that God had to get him here first. And how he got here was not because God told him to go, because he thought he could do it by himself. He ended up killing the Egyptian, fleeing for his life. His decision cost him, his privilege cost him, his, his life of luxury, that now he's a fugitive on the run. Think about that for a moment. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like Moses. I don't want to be a fugitive on the run. But yet, in the text, right, I do want to be like Moses. I want to be able to speak to a rock and let water come out. I want to be able to put my staff out and watch the water split and walk on dry land onto the other side. I want to be able to see God. But yet, in order for me to get that, I got to learn what it means to be a fugitive. See, sometimes in life, we want the success, but we don't know the story. We don't know the hardship. We don't know the pain. We don't know the trouble that people have gone through. And, and that's why sometimes we got to catch up and we don't make ourselves depressed because we start comparing our lives to somebody else's life and you don't know what they're going through. We have allowed the stigmatism of mental health to make people not talk about how I need some issues. I need some help because I got some issues. I, I'm suffering from depression. I'm suffering from anxiety. I'm suffering from stress. And we don't want to tell anybody because they're going to look at us funny. But you tell somebody you got cancer, man, they start a prayer circle for you. You tell somebody I got a heart attack, man, they start, they start praying and checking on me. You tell somebody that I get anxious sometimes when I walk outside of my house. Oh, you need, you got help. You need to get some help. But yet, if, I, if we can sip it around and realize I will pray for you, I will partner with you, I will be there for you, and realize that everybody needs someone to encourage or help them out, then we will cry out for help. I'm going to talk to somebody. Knowing that you won't judge me, you won't look down upon me. And, and so it's a beautiful thing that we ought to be a church, a community that reaches out to people and let them know we love you and care for you. Because this is what happened. Because when Moses helped them out, they left them by the end. But his dad had the sentence says, like, why don't you reach out to him? Why don't you help him? Where is he now? Did he not help you? Well, why aren't you not helping him? I, I was at a few more churches here. That we get caught up, we are only concerned about ourselves. That we forget, how can I help somebody else? But the daddy had in his mind, the daughters, go back and get him. And, and bring him here. Bring him here. Moses is looking for safety, but he doesn't know where is, where is it safe. 
And yet God has orchestrated that these women from Midian come. Now, it's a beautiful thing. That as they're coming to him, he, he develops a relationship with them. They recognize him as an Egyptian, but the world must not have gotten there that Pharaoh's looking for an Egyptian. Hello. And so now he's able to join them, but yet notice he does not identify himself as an Egyptian. He does not identify himself as a Midian. He says, I am a foreigner here. How he names his son. Hmm. He realized that in my condition, I'm not forsaken. I am not forgotten. I remember where I came from. I remember my heritage. Though this is not the ideal situation, I still got to do what is right. Notice even in the wilderness, he was able to stand up for what he believed was justice. And God rewarded him by having these women there to come back and get him. And now the rural gives him his daughter, Zipporah. And they become husband and wife. And we find out in Exodus, right, the first son's name, Gershom. And keep this in mind now that since he does not recognize himself as an Egyptian, he does not recognize himself as a Midian, but he says, I am a foreigner here, even though he has family there. I want to point out here that there's a deeper calling of Moses. He has not quite articulated yet. He knows he wants to lead these people back in Egypt out of oppression. He knows he's not satisfied with how they're being treated and he wants to see them to be free and set free. And so he's still identifying with them in the struggle even though he's distant from them. His firstborn son, Gershom, in Hebrew it's two words together, means foreigner there. Another way to say a temporary resident. Reflecting his identity that he is just temporary here. Can I encourage you that you too are a temporary resident? That this is not our home? That we got a home over in glory? That our God has called us to, but while we're here, we ought to be serving him. We ought to live for him. We ought to sacrifice for him. We ought to worship him. And so Moses, even in his state right now, he still wants, how can I honor God where I am right now? His second son, y'all want to know his name? I'm glad you asked me what his name is. I'm going to tell you right now. You find in Exodus 18, chapter, verse 4, his name is Eliza, which means God of my fathers was my helper. He's pointing out basically that E-L is where we get the word God. And so Eliza is where you get helper. And they say God is my strength. God is my help. And this is in reflection that God protected him from Pharaoh. He's in the wilderness. He left his place of privilege, now working as a shepherd, father of two sons, husband to his wife, and yet he's still able to say, I thank my God for protecting me. I'm talking to somebody here that we might be going through some hardship, we might go through some pain, things may not be the way we want them to be, but yet we can still find reason to thank our God for being our strength, for being our help, for being our aid. These names show how Moses has identified himself with Israel and the God of Israel, even while in a foreign land. He can recognize that God has been in the background working out 
for his benefit. Y'all see here how God was allowing him to set himself free by able to escape Egypt, make it into medium, be by a well, uh, and find these women and, and step, step up and serve them. And he, he could have lost his life trying to defend them. He, we, who knows what that? But he says, I'm going to fight for justice. God protected them. Then they come back and bring him. He finds a place of residence and God prospers him. He has a good job as a shepherd. The father gave him some flock. He's watching over the father's flock. He's able to work there in his father's and father-in-law's house. He marries and has two sons. He's training them in the way. Here's what's in the disappearance. Moses does not know what we know, that he's going to have a larger flock than what he has now. Jesus teaches us, right, that if you're faithful over little, God will make you faithful over many. And so here it is that he's learning how to be a shepherd. He's going to be the great shepherd of God's people. He's learning how to provide for his children and how God will provide for them in the wilderness. And so he's learning to care for his family. But here's the situation again, that God has not forgotten. God blessed him with two sons. His maturity is coming in his fatherhood. He's living experience. And here's the situation I want to encourage us that. But Moses shows us here that Moses is at most at peace when he's thinking about his God. Notice that when he named his children, his pride, his joy, his success, his legacy, it reflected of his condition and his relation with God. His first son, I'm a foreigner here. He was going through some time of trials and tribulations. I don't have a home. Then he got some, some reflection and some growth and some maturity. His second son, God is my strength. And, and, and if you might have been there in your life that your first time, you know, you just thought about God is not all of how it's cracked up to be. And then as you keep on living, as, as the old folks say, keep on living, you start thinking about God, you've been good to me. I, I can think about how now I hear some old folks say, if God doesn't do anything more for me, he's already done enough. And I remember as a young boy, I look at them saying, like, I, he ain't done enough for me yet. I, I, I want some more stuff. But now as I keep on living, I realize that, man, God, you have already done enough. To know that I know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, that's enough. To know that I won't ever, ever have to suffer death and separation from God's presence because of Jesus, that's enough. To know that he will forgive me of my sins and my rebelliousness, of my disobedience because his grace and his mercy is everlasting, that's enough. So stop looking to satisfy yourself with what other people have. And start looking at what God has already given you and find out that's enough. Understand that you may not be where you want to be, but know that God is still working on you. If God is still working on you, guess what? The story is still being written. And anybody here had a favorite movie or TV show and it ended too early and you wanted some more, but the writing's not good enough. So they can't make a better story. So they, they stop. Why it's already at the top. But I want you to know that God is still writing because the story is only going to get better. <laughs> he is the author and the finisher of our faith. So stop looking at somebody else's story and saying, God, I'm waiting on my story. <laughs> you may be in a bad chapter, but I guarantee you a good chapter is coming around the corner. Because our God is good. Tell you that, our God is good. And since our God is good, everything he does is for our good. But yet, because of sin, 
We're going to suffer hardship. We're going to deal with death. We're going to deal with penalties in this world. But tell your neighbor, this is not my home. <laughs> so since this is not my home, I don't have to stay here and deal with this much too long. But soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. But while we're on this earthly journey, we got to live still to give glory and honor to our God and honor him and serve him. And notice that our God is still looking out. Look how he provided for Moses, gave him shelter, provided him with family, provided him with a living. And the last time we saw him, he had nothing. He left everything that he had. Now look how God restored him. Now here's again. This is the, the second third of his life. So the first 40 years, he, ra- he raises up like a prince. Living in Egypt. Now the next 40 years he lives in the wilderness. A time of trial. A time of preparation. A time of training. That God is going to lead him back. And that's where we're going to pick up next week. When he sees the burning bush. And the next 40 years. And he's going to spend leading God's people. What well, encourages us that God is working on you. And he's working on us. And he wants us to be in his presence. He wants us to be where he is. Because that's why we're going to pick up next week that God brings him to the burning bush. He brings him into his presence. I want you to understand here that God is always watching us. Well, are we listening for him? Are we looking for him? Because he is making himself available for us. And when we're ready, he'll move us to the next position. But we got to live where we are now. We got to be faithful where we are now. And be a living sacrifice for him now. And know that in the future, God is preparing you for what he has for you. But now is the time for us to get it right now. You are not forgotten. Whatever you're going through, the trial or tribulation, it may feel like you are forgotten. You may feel like it's not working out, but you're not forgotten. Because our God will never leave you, nor forsake you. If you don't believe me, as Moses sitting at the well, then now God show up. And he'll show up. And we just got to be obedient that we can see exactly how he's moving. And he will lead us the rest of the way. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you that we are not forgotten. That we are forever remembered. We are forever covered by your grace, your mercy, and your love. And, Lord, there might be someone who does not know Jesus as a Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that they will come to know you and realize, Lord, you know them by name. You know all about them. And, Father, I pray that they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And know, Lord, that you will forgive us of all our sins as we repent and turn towards you to walk in humility and walk in submission into your will. So, Father, we ask to bless us, increase us, and multiply us in this presence. May your word pierce our hearts, Almighty God, how we come to know you. Thank you, Almighty God, for your grace and your mercy, Lord, we pray. Amen. If that's you today and you decided, Lord, I give my life to you, I want to encourage you to join a Bible preaching, Bible teaching church. If that's you here today, we welcome you to fellowship with us afterwards. We'll be able to disciple and share with you the goodness of our Lord and the safety of Jesus Christ and the celebration of baptism here in this place. But before we sign off live online, we want to break bread together and drink of this cup together. So those who have your communion, if you can gather that uh, and we prepare.
as Stephen was preaching this great text of how Jesus was rejected and how for our sins, Jesus points this out in the night of his betrayal. He sat down with the disciples where he took of the bread. He blessed the bread and he broke the bread and said, this is my body. Then afterwards, he took of the cup and he blessed the cup and says, this represents my sin. This represents, sorry, this represents my blood, the remission of sins. So let us together eat of this bread and drink of this cup. Let us pray, mighty God. You ask the blessings that we will be in your presence. As we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup, we do so, Lord, in remembrance of you. And Lord, we do it again and do it faithfully, trusting until you come back again. So with our with reverence, O oh Lord, we eat of this bread. Let's eat together. With reverence, we drink of this cup. Let us drink together. Thank you for joining us for worship. You can join in with us. You can sing. Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. Jesus went. To Calvary, to save a wretch. That's love. Thank you for joining us this morning for worship. You can like, continue to stay connected with us online. As we have time for offering, you're welcome, members. You can come, you can bring your offering in. You can also give your offering and tithes online or through Zion's website, or through our app. Thank you. God bless you. Until we meet again, Jesus loves you, and so do I.